But this morning, you know, we just get to celebrate, no matter what the condition is, the risen Savior. Amen? And that's, uh, He came to, to demonstrate His love and show us, give us redemption and share His grace. And so we want to look at that this morning. And um, um, I, I'm, we picked up what happened on Wednesday night. If you were with us or you, you happened to watch us online, we were talking about Passion Week. And we went through... And a little long. <laughs> Thanks for you guys for hanging in there. And we didn't quite finish it all, but we were just picking stories out of, you know, the the what's called Passion Week from the triumphal entry till today, Easter uh, Resurrect Sunday, Resurrection Day. Um, and uh, we were looking at the stories and picking a few out here and there, and just really showing the passion of Jesus, uh, whether it was uh, showing passion through love or passion through clearing out the temple. Um, you know, the, just the passion that he had. And so this morning, um, we're, we're going to kind of finish with that. We're going to look at a couple of stories uh, 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 out of what happened on Resurrection Day and just highlight a few uh, interactions with Jesus after the resurrection in that same kind of way. You know, um, again, just the passion that he has from us. He wanted uh, his disciples and those that were around him. And again, you know, we always talk about the disciples, but just remember there was hundreds of people that followed him, probably thousands of people at some point. And we know in the upper room after his resurrection, after a lot of people had scattered because they thought they were next on the, on the crucifix, they were going to be killed by the Romans. There was about 120 still faithful in that upper room. Um, after his crucifixion. So again, you know, we always talk about the 12 and we think it's kind of this small group. Um, and there was the 12 and they were special in, in, in many ways uh, because the Lord sent them out. But there was also a larger group there. And we're going to kind of look at that this morning uh, about how Jesus impact them. He wanted them to learn and to, to love and, and then to live it. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's go before the Lord, uh, our Father, and thank Him. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit. Our first verse is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So uh, you can scoot your way there in a little bit. So Father, we come before you and um, we thank you again that you would just, um, uh, for, for your love and as Carl said, Lord, for your Sending Jesus to die on the throne, uh, die on the cross, and uh, resurrect and ha- uh, and sit on the throne, uh, uh, Father, just because of your love for us, Lord. You want to show us grace. Uh, you want to draw us close. And as we saw that during even that last week, uh, you know, this last week of, of Jesus, and the reason why the gospel writers that you inspired through your Spirit to, to record all this recorded so much of just that last week. Um, because you, you really wanted to magnify that in our hearts and lives and for us to understand and to see. And uh, so we thank you for that. And of course, we can't thank you enough, Lord, for, for our risen Savior and the grace and love you've shown us through him. And uh, Lord, I pray that we would just be, continue to be impacted and grow in that knowledge, in that faith, in that wonder and amazement of your grace and love towards us, Father. And when we stand in awe, um, you know, our hearts are open. Um, the stuff of this world kind of just falls away. And um, our, our love and our, and our union and connection and relationship with you just deepens. And it's just a, 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 a very natural way of uh, a, an order of things, Lord. And so help us to, to live that way and to learn all that you have, to see your love. And, and then again, Father, that we just might live it out in our lives. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, again, uh, we've looked at some of those things. And, again, this morning we're going to pick up. I'll I'll put our our chart up there that we looked at on Wednesday that you might recall. It just kind of breaks down that Passion Week timeline. And I realize there's more information up there than than we could look at and digest. But, you know, it it highlights some of the... um, 
you know, some of the events, and of course it gives some of the passages there. But I just want you to see, you know, how much was going on in that Passion Week timeline, from the triumphal entry till Resurrection Sunday, the, the morning we're talking about here. And there's so much more. Again, almost half the Gospel of, Mo- of John, I'm sorry, is just devoted to this week. And um, there's so much, so much in there, and I want to just give us that. Um, this one kind of breaks down the traditional Good Friday with dates and times, and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to go into all, all of that, um, you know, nuances of Thursdays or Fridays or whatever. We're just kind of traditionally look at Good Friday that way, uh, just to make it easier at this point. Um, we're going to kind of stick with that. But we, you know, uh, I, I want to just step back a bit before we get into resurrection and look at something, because uh, I think it's uh, important that we remember this. Um, you know, Jesus uh, left off his last real conversation with, the, uh, with his disciples, with those that he loved, was at the Last Supper, uh, before he was crucified. And we know that he, his, you know, he, he, he wanted them to see his heart uh, towards them, and he washed their feet, and uh, you know, then they sat down for the meal, and then Jesus, you know, was speaking to them, and then of course, Ju- Judas was sent off to do his betrayal. You know, Jesus sent him off and and did that, and then they will um, take uh, communion uh, again. This is his last. Um, I mean, he'll spend a little bit of time, obviously, in the garden, and he will talk about some things that are going to come up, but you know. Uh, last, you know, uh, you know, intimate discussion and conversation with him in that sense, looking in the upper room. And what he does in 1 Corinthians 11 is that he is going to have what we call the Last Supper. And I like to just look at that really, really quick because I think it's uh, uh, important that we look at that. And verse 23 says this, and I, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and he gave. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, uh, This is the cup of the new, uh, new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so... That's in 1 Corinthians. Of course, we're going to get to that in a little bit because we're studying that uh, on, uh, uh, su- on Sunday morning. Uh, we'll pick it up next, next week in chapter 5. But there's this remembrance and this uh, proclamation. I want us to understand that. What he did, um, I think, you know, uh, it's important to see in communion. What he did is part of who I am. Uh, and that's what we do when we take communion. Jesus wanted that connection and that intimacy of, uh, 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 you know, w- what he did is part of really who I am. That's what he's saying here. And um, we need to remember that. That's what communion is. It's just, it's remembering that and remembering what he did. And it's and it's not just remembering, okay, I, I go up there and I... You know, whether you, you take it and somebody puts it in your mouth and gives you a cup to drink or whether it's passed around and you take it or however you take communion, you, you know, the idea of that is that it's part of who I am. I'm, I'm you know, without trying to get too medical, you know, you're ingesting it on the inside. The idea is that it's just, it's going on the inside of me. It's who I am. It's really who I am and I'm remembering that and proclaiming that. Um, that I'm part of that, and I remember when he did, I'm proclaiming that that's really who I am. I'm taking it on the inside of me. And, and then, of course, you know, Jesus will read, uh, not read, he'll speak the wonderful passages in John, you know, 14 through 17, uh, you know, about all that he did and, and all that he wanted to share with them, all that he's going to do, all the love that he had to remind them, to encourage them to strengthen them and us as well. You know, those are just great passages to go through. He, he knew this was really, uh, you know, his last time sitting down with a meal and, and, and uh, you know, the scene's going to kind of change a little bit when he goes into the garden of Gethsemane. And they are going to talk on the way there and they're going to talk there in the garden a little bit too. There's no question about that. But, you know, this is the last time without 
um, you know, the cross, uh, uh, you know, being a big part of that. But he just, uh, again, great passages for us to remember. He, he, it just shows his passion and his love uh, for us, for them and for us. And uh, it was going to be an awful few days up ahead, you know. So the, Jesus knew that. And he's taking the time through this to strengthen them and to prepare them and, and to strengthen them. You know, he knows what's ahead in our lives as well, too. And he does the same thing. He prepares us. He, he, he loves us. And he does strengthen us, knowing when difficult times come. I'll, you know, I, I've shared this story before, but, you know, many years ago now, about 23 years ago, as a matter of fact, to be more accurate, I remember driving through Long Beach. I used to work at a refinery, oil refinery in Wilmington, and I drive through Long Beach to, to get to it, and it was at the Port of L.A., if you kind of know where that is a little bit. But I just remember driving through one morning on my way to work, just a regular day driving to work. All of us understand that. And I just remember the Lord saying, you're not going to be driving through here much longer. And I just distinctly remember Him saying that just, you, you know, and... Again, don't misunderstand me. There wasn't some audible voice, but it was like an audible voice, even though it wasn't an audible voice. And you know, you know when the Lord's really speaking to you, um, and and you just don't know that, but you know it's him, you know, saying that. And I, it was totally out of the blue. I don't even know what I was thinking about or what I was doing. I just remember he just the, this he communicated, you're not going to do, and I, and I remember arguing about that. Wait a minute, Lord, I, I love what I do. I, I enjoy where I'm working. I, I don't want to leave here, and I, I never really wanted to as far as all that went, um, but he was preparing me for what he was going to do, which led to, you know, a change of jobs and careers, really, for that much, for that matter, that led me and moved me up to where we are today, and um, again, you know, he he did that, said that to me probably clearly six months before, um, you know, everything kind of happened. And it was just a, something that I know he does in all of our lives, that he was just preparing for what was coming next, just as he was doing that with the disciples here, um, because it was going to be some very difficult days uh, coming ahead. And he prepares our hearts for sure, because... Um, and, and then even that, you know, he knows that he's got to prepare and still work and still reassure us. And then even after something, you know, has happened that he knew was going to happen, you know, he comes and loves and reassures again and, and gives us what we need when we need it. And so, again, it's now the first day of the week. Let's get to the resurrection where we we're going to do. And let's see what Jesus does. And I want to look at John chapter 20. Um, for, for this portion of it, uh, you know, we're, we're going to look. He knows that, you know, he's reassured them. He's talked to them. He's encouraged them. He's told them about the future. He told them about what he was going to do. Uh, again, he, he's going to come back to life. He's encouraging them. He's, he wants them to learn. Uh, he, and now he wants to, to experience his love, that they might go out and live that. And that's what we're going to see here in this resurrection package, uh, portion, I should say, not package. Um, Again, he's just, he did it before. He knew it was going to be some days, so he strengthened them. He was actually strengthened them long before the Last Supper, too. But he's doing that, and now he is going to come back and, and show them and demonstrate that love because it's been a very rough few days. And, um, uh, you know, here's just some of his, uh, I'll put this slide up really quick, um, just to, to, to show some of his resurrection appearances. And again, I know it's a big chart with a lot of numbers on it. But it just kind of summarizes uh, the uh, appearances that Jesus will do. Now, we'll only look at a few of them, but it just kind of gives us some passages, and there's the passages along the, the chart um, there that you can read. But um, he, he's going to show up, and we're going to look at a few of them. My point is in showing this chart is that he does that to many people in many situations um, to to show and encourage them, they might learn, and, and then they just might fall in love with them even more. And so John 20, if you made your way there, let's, let's look at the first few verses of that. Then the disciples uh, went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. 
As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw the two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all these things, you know, uh, she went on to tell them all the things that she, uh, things that she had saw and she had heard. Now, I love this story. Now, again, we were kind of picking up in a little bit. All the women, you know, well, there's a number of women, I should say, that went to the tomb early in the morning. They loved Jesus. They knew his burial was, was hastily done um, because of the, the, the Sabbath, and they wanted to show more love. I, you know, I, I don't know what the equivalent would be in our society today, um, you know, laying, going to the gravesite and putting more flowers there, um, probably wouldn't quite be exactly that, but you know, um, because this would have cost them a lot to bring the, the spices that they, they, they'll bring and the things that they'll do, and the risk that they're taking going there, because we know that there's a Roman uh, guard there and everything. So it wasn't an easy trip. Uh, it wasn't. Um, it was a risk to them. Uh, personally, because they could be arrested as part of a, you know, what Jesus was uh, charged with. Uh, they could have been swept up along with all that. Of course, we know that everybody was afraid of that. But, but they went out there. And we know that the angels had told all the gals, and, and they had run back and told the disciples. And we know that Peter and, and, and John came back to check it out. And it seems that Mary Magdalene had come back with the disciples now, we know Peter and John went in there and looked, and, and you know, they weren't sure what happened, and they took off. Um, but we know that Mary Magdalene uh, hung out there. So Peter and John had left. All the gals had already, you know, they, they obviously didn't come back, or they came back and they had left with Peter and John, but Mary had hung out there. She's the one that had seven demons cast out of her. Don't, don't let all the TV shows and this crazy... What's that, Dan? What's his name that wrote all the conspiracies uh, and made those movies? Uh, he wrote those books. Uh, yeah, yeah, what's that guy's name? Anyway, that starred uh, that movie. Star. I'm really being clear on all that, aren't I? <laughs> that movie, that book. Uh, you know, he did all uh, he, you know, the, uh, the Catholic Church conspiracies. Oops, excuse me. And, um, you know, all that conspiracy nonsense and everything. Um, but anyway, you know, don't think that she was, uh, you know, a prostitute or, uh, you know, married to Jesus in some way or some crazy thought that they, um, boy, his name just jumped into my head and it jumped out again. Don't you hate that? But, um, you know, don't think that she had seven demons cast out of her. That's what the scripture tells us. Can you imagine uh, the, the horror of having seven demons in you? You know, we saw the one guy with legion in him, and he was just, they couldn't chain him. He was among the tomb cutting himself. I remember how, you know, seven demons. And it's just hard to describe the love that this woman had for Jesus. You know, and, and she's there, and she checks it out, and she sees all this, but she stays behind because her heart is broken by everything that had happened to Jesus. And remember, she saw it all. She was there, you know, at the crucifixion. You know, we know the women watched all this. They watched when they took down the body and where they laid him. I mean, they, 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 she witnessed all this. She was all part of all this. And, you know, she, um, she, she is just heartbroken. I, I can't um, uh, 
put it into words, uh, the, the, the brokenness that she feels here to the point where she's just hanging out there at the tomb, desperate just to look at, his, look at him one more time. And what does the Lord do? Well, he has already dispatched angels, we know that, to encourage them. Now, I don't know about you, but in some sense I think, man, you, they saw angels, that's, that's, that's got to do something for you, Mary, right? I mean, you saw angels. And, and again, uh, but it's just still not enough. And Jesus knows that's not enough. She needs to put her eyes and her hands on Jesus. And that's why Jesus shows up here. Um, and again, he knew exactly what she needed, and he was there to demonstrate his love to her. Now, I don't know about you, but just take a step back for a second. And if you were Jesus and you rose from the dead, who was the first person that you would actually go appear to? I mean, I'd probably go to, to Pilate's face. I'd probably go to Herod's face. I'd probably go to the religious leaders or the Romans. Uh, you know, I would like, oh, you, you know, you can't put me down. Look at this. Who do you think you are? I don't know who you go to. Maybe Caesar in, in, in Rome, you know. Give him a heart attack. <laughs> I don't know what you, you know. There's a lot of people that I, I would think of that I would show up first to and talk to and, uh, or let them have it or something. I don't know. That's, good. That's why obviously I'm not <laughs> the Lord, right? But he shows up to a broken hearted gal. I mean, uh, uh, that, that knows, um, that she needs to see him and just give him a hug, put her hands on him. And he shows up to her first. Uh, Jesus, again, knows the hurting, the crushed, and those who are really in need. And, you know, he's here for them. He's, it's okay. I'm alive. I'm here, he's saying to her, right? In fact, I'm going to go to heaven to rule and to reign. So you don't have to worry, Mary. I, I'm here for you. I, I, yes, I'm here. And again, she seems like she gives him this bear hug, like she won't let go. And that's a, that's a sense here. Hey, I, you know, I can't just stay here. And, and, and you know, I need to go uh, to uh, uh, the Father in heaven. I need to, you know, see the disciples. And it's like she's just giving him a bear hug. And of course, as Carl was saying this morning, physically coming back and eating and all that. But one of the other things is, is you can hug him. Right? You can hold on to him. So uh, there's some physicality to that. You know, we talk about the, you know, he can go through a, a wall and yet she can, she can grab a hold of him. But just think for a second about the love and the passion that he had to show up to her first. This woman who was just brokenhearted and seemed like everything had ripped, been ripped away from her. And in her mind it had been. And he shows up to her first saying, it's going to be okay. I'm here. I'm here for you. Uh, I, I, I love you. I'm in control of all this. Don't worry. I'm going to be up in heaven. And I'm going to take care of things. That's all that, you know, what Mary needed. You know, she had learned this because she had been around him. And now she really sees this love demonstrated. And now... You know, Mary Magdalene is going to kind of fall off the scene in, in the pages of Scripture, but certainly did not fall off the pages of history. I imagine she went on to do great and amazing things for the Lord because, you know, of what she had learned and the love uh, that she had been shown by Him, and she's going to go out and live that and share that for the rest of her life. She shows up, He shows up to her first. Just an amazing thing. Well, who's next? Pilate, you know, who's next? Do you know a Herod uh, that, that had his soldiers beat him and mock him or what? Well, let's look. We're going to go to Matthew 28 on this one. And so uh, verse 8, and I'll, I'll put it up there so you can um, 
you can read it if you can't quite make it, make your way there. So Matthew 28, 8 says, So the women hurried up away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet and uh, clasped his feet and worship him. Then Jesus said to them, "Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers, go, uh, go brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me." You know, I I I love that. So the next group that he shows up, and and again, it seems like the women are are heading back. You know, after Peter and John, if you follow the chronology, they're going back here. And remember, they saw the angels in the tomb, but they haven't seen Jesus. Mary hung out there, Mary Magdalene. There's a bunch of Marys. So, and, and these other gals are heading back there uh, and possibly back up to the upper room where they were, were, were hanging out. We know there for a while. And then Jesus appears to them. And again, you know, the second appearance, if you would, of Jesus after the resurrection Sunday morning um, uh, you know, he shows up to these other gals that were at the tomb along with Mary Magdalene very early in the morning, um, you know, to, to put the spices and to prepare the burial and just to see him and to show their love and, and respect for him. And again, um, they didn't care who, what people thought. They didn't care about the Roman leaders and, and the possibility that they could be put under arrest or to be persecuted by identifying with Jesus. They just wanted to go there to express, uh, you know, their, their, their love and how they felt towards Jesus. And Jesus knew that they needed his embrace too. You, you know, um, you know, an hour before, they thought everything was lost. And I'm kind of throwing an hour of time in there, but let's say an hour or two, you know, they thought everything was lost because Jesus was dead. And now, you know, again, they saw the angels, so they have a little bit of encouragement, and they're wondering, okay, what's really going on here? We know something's different because we're seeing angels. And, um, and now they see Jesus, and they knew everything had changed because Jesus was alive. Is that true in our hearts this morning as we look at the resurrection? You know, can we really say that everything has changed in our lives because we have met Jesus? You know, I really believe that's the, the, the true test, if you would, of being a Christian or not, whether you go to heaven or not. Um, you, you know, it, it just shows that you, um, you know, when... I met Jesus for the first time, whether it was somebody was sharing the, the good news to you and, uh, and talking to you and, you know, sharing what the Bible uh, has to say or sharing their testimony of what was going on. And, and uh, you, you, know, you know, your life was changed when you received that salvation through grace and you accepted him. You were just a different person. You, you know, something was different. I, again, you know, I share my story, and you've heard it more times than you probably care to remember, but I remember just laying on my bed one night saying, God, if you're real, and if you're out there somewhere, you know, that was as simple as my prayer was, really, then, then I want to know more. And I remember waking up the next morning, and, and things were just different. Um, I, I, the things that I did, the things that I said, the things that I had in my room, I realized, oh, that's just not good. Yes, I had the Farrah Fawcett poster up on my wall. You remember that Farrah Fawcett poster? <laughs> and I had the Raquel Welch one, too. I don't know if you guys remember those posters. Yeah, Raquel Welch. And anyway, you know, I had a bunch of stuff, you know, in, in my room and things that I said and did. And I know things were just different. I couldn't say and do. And, uh, you know, things had changed in my life because, you know, Jesus was alive. Jesus in this case, revealed himself in a way uh, to me, um, you know, and, and I, I didn't grab onto him like they did, but I grabbed onto him. And, and I think that's what we need to see this morning. Can we say that's true? Now, now, Jesus knows what these gals need, again, to see that, hey, I'm alive, because they saw him die. They saw how cruelly he was punished, 
how cruelly he was treated you know, before the cross and on the cross and, and all that. And, uh, you, you know, again, he's on, he, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm here for you. And he knows them. Now, now these guys, you know, un, gals, I should say, unlike Mary, who just, I think, gives him this big, giant bear hug embrace, they just dive at his feet, you know. And, and that was more traditional uh, way of, of women, you know, with, with men in one sense of being, um, you know, just being amazed. That's just how they responded. I, I don't want to make anything more of that than, than it is. But they just grab a hold of him, too. And they're just, uh, again, they're just, uh, you know, now they see him alive and their lives have, have changed and he's revealed himself and they're grabbing a hold of him and they know there. And again, all of the things that they had learned and, and heard, I believe, that they heard from, you know, John chapter 13 and saw to John chapter 17 and all that he had spoken in the, in the upper room and all that they had heard and, and, you know, and all that they had learned now. And then they see, again, the love that he has for them, that he shows up to them. They grab a hold of this and, and that now, again, their lives, you know, they just go out and live for him. I just... It just shows the impact of Jesus in their hearts and in their lives. And, and by the way, as a side note, this is the first time that our Lord called his disciples brethren. Tell my brethren. Tell my brothers. You know, it's, a, it's an enduring term. It's a enduring term. It's, it's, a, it's a loving term. Uh, you know, he's not calling them my disciples. He's calling them my brothers. It just he has this whole enduring term, uh, loving name for them that you know he hasn't done before. And um, these women's life, women's life have now just radically changed, and you know from the sorrow and the pit and the despair that they're in to the joy and the happiness and the excitement. Uh, again, because Jesus knows what they needed at that time, and He loves them enough um, to do that for them. Now, we're going to get things a little bit out of order, but I stick with me. Now, Jesus is next going to show up to a couple of guys leaving town. And you might remember that story. We talked about that not too long ago in the Gospel of Luke. You know, these guys were leaving town. They were like, maybe today, you know, we're done, we're leaving, we're moving to Texas, you know, we're going to Idaho, I'm moving to North Carolina, I'm getting out of California, uh, you know, I don't know um, if you hear that a lot, but I hear that a lot, and then I was talking to somebody the other day um, from Texas, who's out here working in California, and he was saying, you know, man, all these Californians are moving in. Uh, to he's from East Texas, from East to East Texas, man, they're just coming in by the droves. He was telling me. Uh, of course, he was complaining about the housing prices going up because of such things. But I, you know, again, I, I don't know if that helps you understand a little bit here. That's they certainly weren't moving out of Jerusalem. Don't misunderstand me. But you know, they have the attitude, "Why well, just got to get out of here?" And again, we don't really know exactly why they had to get. Out. It doesn't tell us. But I think it's. Uh, you know, safe to assume is like, you know, there's so much going on here. They were so overwhelmed with sorrow. Um, you know, they were so disappointed and had so much hope. Uh, again, what Jesus would do and set up the Messiah, uh, the, the dis- disappointment got them off track and they just had to get out of town. And of course, they were missing out on the joy that could be theirs. Um, you know, uh, Jesus was alive. He had conquered death. There was reason to celebrate, and yet these guys were just so disappointed. They couldn't even, you know, even when the women told them that they had seen angels and said that he was alive, they just, it just didn't sink in. You know, they still left and they still took off. They just can't see it. You know, they had heard Jesus. They knew what he had told them about what would happen. I imagine these guys knew what the Old Testament had to say about the Messiah, Um but again, they, they couldn't see it. And I believe this again, guys. I said this, you know, a, a month or so, two or three or whatever it was ago. Um, but I believe a lot of their disappointment was 
they just couldn't believe that suffering was part of God's plan. Uh, Jesus told them that his suffering was long planned by the Father. You know, not just the wonders of wonders and all that he would do and all the great things that would happen uh, because of his death and, and, you know, burial and, of course, his resurrection. Um, But they just couldn't get it. None of them, I believe, could understand how suffering could be part of God's plan. And this can be difficult for us, too. To, to truly believe that the Father might want us to suffer in some way. We think, you know, if He loves us, there just shouldn't be any sort of suffering on our end. And um, these guys uh, just couldn't quite get that, that even the Messiah would suffer, and then they would suffer as a result of that, like obviously not on the same scale. But again, Jesus knows that they need to spend some time with him and learn again what they already knew and that they might see him uh, and see the love that he has for him, that they might live for him. And you know the story, and I won't, I won't get into all of it, but you know he's walking along with them, he meets up, they just can't really recognize it's him, and I don't know if it's because they were so down and out or so, you know, de- you know, upset about things and they just didn't look at him or connect or, you know, he wanted to talk to them without them understanding and really seeing what it was so he wouldn't get distracted, but that they would really learn the things that he wanted to say from him. It doesn't really tell us, but we know that, you know, when they sit down to have a meal, they know clearly it's Jesus. And I don't know if for the first time they see the, the, the nail prints or they see, you know, they see what the nail did or what they did when he was passing out some bread, I, I, I don't know, it doesn't. But he met with these two guys that were just kind of packing it in. They, they needed a touch, and Jesus was there for them to, again, teach them and encourage them and reveal themselves that they might be encouraged to live the life that he had called them to live, and to put all those things the, 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 all that they learned, all the love they received into, into action, into their lives. And which, of course, leads us to uh, the next person that Jesus appears to, and he actually appears to uh, Peter before these two. And Luke 24 tells us, you know, at the end of that, these guys are walking and they ate dinner with Jesus. And, uh, you know, then they, he disappeared from them, and Luke twenty four thirty three tells us, uh, you know, after they realized it was Jesus, and then he disappeared from them, and then verse thirty three says, then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found. So they had walked all the way to Emmaus. Remember the road to Emmaus, and then they knew it was late, it was dark, it was sunset somewhere around that time. But they're going to walk all the way back to Jerusalem. They had just walked all the way from them. And they found the eleven, it says, and those with them assembled together. And then verse 34 says, And saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Now, we get very little information, but this one sentence, and we get a a few more words in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which we'll look at next Sunday, we get a few words that Jesus personally also appears to Jesus. I mean, Jesus appears to Peter, sorry. <laughs> Simon also called, you know, also called Peter, right? They, 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 he appears to him personally, yet the scripture doesn't tell us anything more. Now, somehow they, these two knew that we're heading on the Maya, somehow... They knew that Jesus had talked to Peter. We don't know how. It doesn't record that in the conversation. And again, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 just tells us that the Lord met with with Peter and and then the others. And that's about it. But I think that, again, you see the significance here, don't you guys? I mean, I, I don't know if there was one, you know, equally as dejected and down and depressed more than Peter. Because mostly, I would believe, because of his denial, right? And it's all something we talk about so much, or, you know. And then he would argue that there's no way when Jesus said, oh, you, by, you know, by, by the sign, by, 
When tonight's over, the night's over, you're already going to deny me three times, Peter. Oh, now, never, not in a million years, Jesus, would I ever do that. Of course, the other disciples said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, we would never do that. No, no, no. And, you, you know, and then he followed Jesus at a distance. We know that, right? Remember, he was in the courtyards. John knew uh, the, the high priests and the household, and they did business together, or somehow their families knew each other. And so he was able to get in and, and hear the things and see some of the things that were going on here. And, and you know, uh, again, doing all the denial, as you and, you and I know, that he did during there. So how could he even show his face? You know, this is important because, you know, Jesus knew of his failure and didn't leave him there. He makes, again, another special appearance to Peter to restore him. Now, he had already told them, you know, Peter, when, you know, things get bad and you feel like you have it up, and, and when you're restored, then you come back and then you encourage, you know, your, your brothers. Jesus already had told them that. But man, he was a million miles from that. I totally believe that. But again, Jesus knew about his failure, or failures more accurately, and yet he goes to him to restore him. And he'll meet with him more than once, but mostly with the other disciples, as, as we'll shall see you know, at some point later on, as we did already. Can I just point this out, that we can never disappoint the Lord? He is never disappointed in you. Now, we are constantly disappointed with ourselves, aren't we? Oh, man. You know, you probably are disappointed with some of your actions or thoughts or whatever this morning, just this on Resurrection Sunday. Or, you know, uh, I'm disappointed, you know, how Ethan cut in line to get donuts. No, I'm just kidding. Whatever, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you did, right? Ethan wouldn't do that. Not in a million years. But anyway, that's, I would do that. He wouldn't do that. But, you know, again, you know, and we're just, you get so disappointed with ourselves and, you know, thinking that, man, oh, I just blew it again or this or that. And we're so disappointed. But just remember, he knows everything already. He knows what he got when he got us. He knows all those failures already. And he's not interested in punishing Peter or, you know, making him, well, you know, Peter, what you did was, you know, the others kind of fled when the Romans and the high priest soldiers and the police officers, we'd say for the temple uh, today, showed up to arrest you and all that. And everybody kind of bailed out. Okay, I can kind of get that a little bit. But man, to flat out deny that you even know anything about him and call down curses and curse and curse yourself to, to emphasize how much you don't know him, you know, well, that was, you know, Peter, you're going to have to, you're going to have to stay in that pit of despair for, for a little bit, man, to, you know, pay your dues for what you did. That's never our Lord. That's what we think, but that's not him. He is always interested in restoring us in restoration. He is always interested in that. And he spends a special amount of time with Peter, you know, or Simon as he's called here. Just remember that. He spends a special amount of time with him so that they might, that he might be encouraged, that he might be restored, that he might, you know, pick him up and dust him off and then send him on his way. Peter, you've got so much I want to do in and through your life. You know, don't let this failure and these failures move you out of my plan and my will and to live the life that I've called you to live. Know that I love you. I have taught you things. You've learned so much. And, and so much will be reminded to you when the Holy Spirit comes to you. And you can see now my love for you in this way as I show up to you and, and, and want to restore you in, in a very special way. He needed that. And so now, Peter, I want you to go out and live the life that I've called you to live. And let us just remember he is always interested in restoration. He wants us to be restored. And he knows what you're going through and he knows when it's difficult. And he is there to lift them up and to encourage them. And then lastly, you know, and I'll just do this more by way of mention. Sorry, the picture is 
kind of lame in my opinion, but it's the best one I could find. Jesus shows up to the rest of them in the upper room. Then he appears to them all. They're all, all there now except for Thomas, and he'll come next week. But, you know, all the rest of them are there. And, um, and uh, again, you know, he shows up to encourage all of those that are up in that upper room after his, uh, you know, death, burial, and now resurrection. They're still meeting up there. They're going to meet up there for a little bit until they can't they outgrow the room, quite frankly, I think, in that upper room uh, in Jerusalem when we get into Acts. And he shows up and encourages everybody, and some had already seen him in that room, I believe, and some hadn't, but he wants to make sure that they all are encouraged and uplifted and reminded that he is alive and he is on the throne. He's going to the Father. He, he, you know, he's in this resurrected body because he just appears, as we talked about, and, and he is there. And he loves them. And he wants them now to go out and live all that they have learned and share all the love that they have received. Amen. But again, as we close, we're... we're where are you today? You know, are you feel like you're Mary? The bottom is Magdalene's dropped out, you know, of your life, you know, so brokenhearted. You, you know, she thinks she's a gardener. And I, I think she thought he was a gardener because she was just crying and looking at that spot where the body should be. And there's a voice coming from, you know, behind her, or the side of her. And she just came, oh, if you're the gardener with tears in her eyes and it's just so broken up. And, and you know, not until she says, he says his name, does she recognize you know, are, are, are you brokenhearted? That's when the bottom is falling out. Jesus shows up to strengthen. He'll do that for us today. Or the other ladies, you know, they just need this loving embrace uh, from Jesus. They just needed it just to, you know, see his presence and just, you know, feel him in, a, in a, this tangible, real way that he is there and he loves them. And to continue to continue to go on and grow in that love that you have. You have this love for me. We can see it obviously by showing up and what you were going to do at the tomb. But now even, even more so, lighting that fire and moving out in that love. Or maybe, you know, you're kind of like the two guys on the road to Emmaus, you know, they're just getting out, heading out of town, kind of fed up with it all, just kind of Things didn't work out the way I thought they would work out in life, and this, you know, this disappointment after another disappointment after another disappointed, and and you know, you just kind of like, what's the point? And fed up with it all, you know. That's the time when Jesus shows up and 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 encourages them and reminds them what the Scripture says and says, "Here I am," and 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 you can see me, and it's all part of God's plan. And I know suffering seems to be like something the opposite of what the Father had, but it was all part of the plan. And, you know, though there is that and there is times of heartache, but yet, the, you know, the, the love and, and the promises and what He has in store for us in eternity is so much greater that, you know, as we'll read, as we go through the New Testament, Corinthians, everything, that, you know, what we... You know, the things that happen to us down here are, are, are nothing in comparison to what's in store waiting for us in heaven. You know, we'll look at those things and say, man, that was really nothing compared to what you have in store for us, Lord. And he'll come to us when we feel that way, that when we're on that point of, you know, heading out of town or just fed up with it all. He will. Or you maybe feel like Peter, you know, things couldn't get any worse and you failed beyond recovery. And, you know, Jesus knows that when we feel that way. Like, you just blew it after one time after another, and you can't seem to get anything straight. And, and, but, you know, Jesus, you know, is going to, he wants to speak to you and come to you, and he will, and I, I, I promise you. Now, will he appear physically to you in, in these events? Um, I don't know. But I know the Lord has spoken to me and shown up to me, and whether it was real and the voices were real or audible, I should say, they were real, whether they're audible or not, I, I, I know He has. And I know He does the same thing today in our lives. And He will. And if you feel that way, you know, He knows how you're feeling, and He has a way of, you know, sharing through uh, the Word or through another person or by your, the Holy Spirit in your life or in some shape or form, or even showing up. I certainly believe that he is willing and able to do what he needs to do to encourage those who feel like they failed beyond recovery. 
And remember, you never have disappointed him because he knew what he got when he got you. And the overall message was, I'm alive, I'm on the throne, I'm in control, and remember this, everything is going according to plan. And the resurrection was the absolute guarantee of these facts and all the promises and all that he had said and all the love that he had shown to to prove the fact that all those things are true and all those things are going to come to pass because you see... There is nothing in heaven and earth that can upset or move out or change the plan and control of our Heavenly Father. Nothing. And the resurrection put the seal of approval, of course, on all that Jesus said and did. And the the reminder to all of us that it's the guarantee of these facts are true and all the promises are going to come to pass because He had victory over everything. And it doesn't matter what happens in this world because He is above and over and in control of all that, and His promises one day gather us all into His presence together. And He has shown us, He has taught us, He has shown love to us, He'll continue to do that, because He wants us to live for Him and live up to Him until the day that He chooses to take us home into eternity. And may we just go out Rejoicing this morning, you know, uh, by the touch and the love and the appearances of Jesus in this day, uh, in that, in their day, and in this day today. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for these things, Lord. And again, we are in awe of the love, but it just shows what you do. And and again, in a very real way, they saw the suffering and the arresting and the beating and the accusations and all these things and 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 father certainly you were establishing the church uh, at this time in the new covenant and and uh, lord you were working certainly in a very powerful and special way but lord not any less today in our lives and and father you uh, um, have given the holy spirit to dwell in us that that hadn't happened at this point that we're reading yet it will in in just a matter of time and a month and a half or so-ish, um, that, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon their lives in, in great ways, as it has in ours. But, but Father, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't change. And, and I know you do the same thing in our lives. And wherever we might find ourselves today, Lord, um, you know, you're going to meet us there. And your heart is to Again, to always cause us to to learn and grow in our faith to, and to see your love and your that you have for us, Lord, and you know coming to us in various times and various circumstances where we really need that love to be revealed to us in a very special way, that we might just live the life that you've called us to live, that we might live it with joy and excitement, knowing that you're coming with joy of knowing that you love us and we have heaven in store for us and the things that happen here in this world are just passing and they're going away quickly. And what you have in store for us in heaven is eternal and cannot be changed and is so far beyond what we can even understand or know or imagine. And, uh, and we, we can just trust in that and have a spring in our step and joy in our hearts, Lord. And I pray that we would do that all because, you know, you're alive and you're in control and you're on the throne and you love us. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Jesus. And in these, his name we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Amen.